Hey, welcome to episode 83 of the Hockey Free For All podcast. I am your host, Steven Stiles, and we are back again for yet another one. So, as we talked about in episode 82, the issue with players taking liberties and not being properly dealt with to ensure that this kind of behavior doesn't continue. Let's take a page out of the international game that I was talking about how this type of behavior doesn't exist. Because I'm sure there were some people who like, oh no, it happens in the International League too. It's not that it doesn't happen, it's how it's dealt with. For example, former NHL player Nick Ritchie, who now plays in the Finnish League, was suspended for eight games for repeatedly punching a player in the head during a game. Team Canada player Geeky was ejected from a game during the tournament for checking the head of a Team Germany player, Samuel Schlindler. Team Germany player Oswald Viet was suspended a game for checking a Team Latnia player from behind. So the international game has no problem handing out appropriate disciplinary action, penalties, whatever you want to call it, for inappropriate behavior. They take care of it. And these punishments were handed out with no long-term injuries to the players that were impacted by them, but the players that committed the foul, if you will, or the infraction, got dealt with and told, hey, this isn't able to be tolerated in the international game. There's not a place for it, and we're not going to put up with it. You're going to be responsible and accountable for your actions. And that's what the NHL needs to do. That's exactly what they need to do on a game-by-game basis. And if a player is injured because of such action, those players need to be dealt with in line with the injuries. And again, like I said, could be as harsh as a player like Steve Moore, who never came back from that Marty McSorley hit, then that player that committed that offense never comes back as well. That's too bad. This second chance or people got to understand or all that other stuff, it does not apply at all to that. And quite honestly, it doesn't really apply to anything. You do the crime, you do the time. That's just the way it works. And it should have always worked that way. And there'd be so many issues beyond sports that wouldn't be a problem as they are today. Moving on to another bizarre topic. What is with the relentless conversation that injuries that the Canadians are experiencing will force the hands of Kent Hughes to have to make a trade for a bona fide or good second line center? Do people suffer long-term memory issues? You look at the Canadians a couple years ago and Mark Bergevin was still there and they had no centers. So they drafted a kid, third overall, your Spiri Yemi, who shouldn't have gone that high. They brought him over two years earlier before he ever should have played in the NHL. And to make up for losses on the team, they gave away a truckload of draft capital assets in the form of a first-round pick and a second-round pick, which they're still paying for in this year's draft. They don't have their own second-round pick because they gave all that up for Christian Dvorak, who to say has been a disappointment, a letdown, or has not had anything come together for him in Montreal might just be one of the greatest understatements. But Montreal does not need to trade for a second-line center. Has everybody forgotten? They're still in their development and rebuild. And Kirby Doc as well as Alex Newhook, will come back. Now, Doc's obviously not coming back until next year. Newhook remains to be seen how long he's out. Minimal three months. We'll see if that actually extends beyond that. But those two guys are coming back. And you've got other prospects in the system already. Owen Beck. 
My opinion, at the end of this year, he's been traded again to yet a third OHL team following the conclusion of the World Juniors. He's done in the juniors. After this year, there will be nothing more for him to do. Any more development that he will have and expansion to his game will be handled by Adam Nichols, the director of player development for the Montreal Canadiens. Okay? The OHL has done for him what it will. He's always been a tremendous defensive center, always been a 200-foot player, a two-way center, can play it either way guy. That's it. Everything else comes from Adam Nichols and also a new coaching staff who I think will be in Laval next year. Who that's going to be, I don't know, but I think there's going to be a complete coaching staff sweep in Laval. There's now too much talent. There's now too many players that need to be developed, and they're not progressing necessarily in the way or at the speed that Jeff Gordon or Ken Hughes wants them to. And I think that coaching staff is going to pay that price in the offseason. So with these guys coming back next year, with the Canadians still in the rebuild process, why would you give away, and in what mind does it seem rational to say, oh, well, we're going to give away some draft capital, some assets, We're going to acquire a player who, by the way, I've seen the list of available players that are being currently discussed. Not anything that's going to be around long term. I mean, at that point, you're better off just keeping Monaghan, elevating him to the second line center for the rest of the year and see what happens. And I think that's also a mistake if Montreal does that because I think Sean Monaghan can get at least a high first round pick. If it happens to be another first round pick that's in the last 10 or last five of the first round, so be it. But it's still a first round pick, which is more valuable to the Canadians who again are continuing to rebuild than having him around. And I think Josh Anderson is worth anything from a number 10 all the way to the 32nd pick in the first round. I think they need to trade him as well, but let's keep talking about the centers first. So why would you trade draft assets? Why would you deplete draft capital? Why would you acquire a player that quote unquote could fill the second line center this year, knowing you have people coming back next year. And then what do you do with them when those players come back and who's not going to be around any longer than Monaghan would be when the Canadians become really ready to challenge every year. They're already winning their division and can be a legitimate Stanley Cup contender. That just makes no sense on any level. That is just nuts. And I have no idea what's driving people to go, oh, Montreal needs to obtain a legitimate second line center. No, they don't. No, they don't. They need actually, I refuse to use the term tank, but they need to play out this season to the best of their ability, maximize that draft position. There's other players that we'll get to that they need to trade to bolster their draft asset and capital and better that team for the long term. That's why, and one of the main reasons why many general managers since Sam Pollock have come and gone and none have been nearly as successful. There's been this, oh, let's do a quick fix. Let's do a band-aid. Let's, you know, appease people's feelings or make people happy. None of that consistently wins. None of that creates a perennial contender. And that's what everybody supposedly wants in Montreal. So let's actually get there. Now, back to Kirby Doc and Alex Newhook. 
Everybody's like, oh, Montreal needs centers. Well, here's the thing that I'm thinking about, or here's the perspective I have on this, okay? So you finish out this year with what you have. You don't acquire anything. You continue to bolster your prospect pool and your draft capital like I already talked about. Next year rolls around. What do you do? Well, you got Suzuki, number one, firmly entrenched. Doc's back. He's had the year to not only recover, but to build back up strength. I think he's going to have another great training camp next year. I still say he, as long as he fully recovers, he is the most talented and has the most upside any player on the team. And if he does recover completely, I think will go down as one of the greatest steals of acquisitions by Montreal or any team in a long, long time. But the question, of course, exists. Well, what do we do for centers next year? Well, let's look at this for a second. You'll have... Suzuki one, Doc two. Beck, I think, is your third line center. He's, like I said earlier, great two-way, 200-foot player, defensively responsible, amazing face-off percentage win, which nobody, even with Suzuki and Doc, has as high of a completion rate as he does. Granted, yes, he hasn't done it in the NHL before anybody comes down that road for a second, but I think his game is going to translate very very well so that's three centers right off the bat you're like oh well we need four and we have to make sure we have something for injuries you still have yan mysek you still have riley kidney you still have leas anderson who's got to be the odds on favorite former seventh overall pick has looked good before getting injured in laval so he's definitely got to be like the early on favorite you got lucas condata who's 6162 223 225 good defensive player strong on the faceoff great fourth line center you got jared davidson who had a really good training camp in montreal this year and seems to already have a game that translates better to the nh than it does to the AHL because he's not doing much in the AHL but he looked really good in training camp this year. Sean Farrell can play center because he can play all three positions. You've got Xavier Simino. What about if you're bringing over a fourth line center and you don't want to rush him and you want to play him minutes but you don't want to give him too many what about oliver kapanen now offensively he has done nothing to say whoa wow that's amazing but defensively and responsibility on the ice as a player he's been pretty solid so you got him as well so there is not a problem now or down the line montreal has got plenty of personnel So again, this desire to trade for and acquire, I don't get it. Not to mention the fact, let's just say for the heck of it, you do get a second line center and Montreal does either just enough to either qualify for or miss the playoffs. Then where's your drafting position? You're like 16 to 18. Yay. That ought to be fun. That ought to get you a really high quality player. Not to say they won't turn out to something in that position because players have. Look at Shea Theodore for the Vegas Golden Knights who was originally drafted by Anaheim at 27th overall. Obviously, players in those ranges can turn out really, really well, but it's not common. But you end up with a high teens pick instead of a top 10 pick. Which is going to be more valuable? Which is going to get you a more likely immediate talent that can help you on the team? 
Those are the trains of thoughts people need to keep in the front of their mind when you're talking about the Montreal Canadiens and what they're doing. Again, they're a developing, rebuilding franchise, making headway, making improvement. They haven't taken any steps backwards. They're doing it the right way because everybody in Montreal, I think, consciously or subconsciously, would love to have the day's return of talking about Montreal in the playoffs, talking about Montreal and how they're sweeping teams and winning their division. Talk about Montreal not just winning a round or getting kicked out in the first round, but winning it all and returning the cup to its rightful and only home that it should have. And that's Montreal. I gotta say, I am so glad that Jeff Molson hired Jeff Gordon, who brought in Ken Hughes. Those two gentlemen brought in Martin St. Louis, Vincent LeCavalier. Added to that is Director of Player Development, Adam Nichols. Assistant Director, Scott Pellerin. Co-Director of Scouting, Nick Bobroff. Then you add for Analytics, Christopher Boucher. That has been the major difference for Montreal is reestablishing tremendous organizational personnel to go along with stellar drafting, stellar scouting that has brought you walk-on, Arbor Jacki, Jaden Struble in the second round of his draft, Jordan Harris in the third round of his draft, who have added great draft capital by just taking on the contract of Sean Monaghan, which may turn out to still gain Montreal more draft assets. They're not done trading him yet. And this brings me to goaltending. Just a topic that will not go away in Montreal this year, starting with, oh my God, they still have three goaltenders. They still have three goaltenders. How can they still have three goaltenders? Why do they still have three goaltenders? They can't have three goaltenders. And it's unfair to the three goaltenders. Not really. As again, we've talked about in previous episodes, nobody has really stepped forward and said, I'm your man. I'm the guy. I'm the number one guy. There is again, no Martin Brodeur, no Henrik Lundqvist. The jury's still out. Yeah. Montembeau has earned his new contract. I totally agree with that. Don't deny that. But he still has not proven to be a consistent 50 to 60 game per season number one goaltender. Absolutely, he has won games for the Canadians. They had no business winning. Absolutely, he's been the difference in games. Absolutely, he's kept the opposition at bay, such as recently turning away 46 shots against the New York Rangers. But the fact that Montreal had a 3-0 lead and had to come back in a shootout to win it? Ah, raises some questions there, folks. Come on. I mean, you were up three zip. Why was a shootout necessary to begin with? Was it a goalie issue? Was it defensive issues? Was it lapses in assignment? What was it? Something led to it. So there's been no clear cut. I got my hand around this. This is my job. Nobody else should be in goal. And with that said, like we've talked about in the past, Montembeau and Primo are both in their mid-20s and the ideal age to roll with the team, if you will, right now and be their goaltenders as they're developing, which allows the Evgeny Volokins and the Jacob Fowlers to develop in their programs. And in three years, hey, maybe Montembeau still needs to be around. Maybe Caden Primo is latched onto it, who will then be 27, which is the age Montembeau currently is, because in three years, Montembeau will be 30. And maybe either Volokin or Fowler will be ready to take the reins. And here we go. But to be 
determined. All of which, notice the one goaltender I haven't mentioned yet, Jake Allen, again, unfortunately, the oldest, has had a lot of injuries, certainly has a lot more experience and has played a lot more games and has been hit with a lot more rubber than anybody else. Unfortunately, he's the odd man out. But Montreal's not going to just give him away. Now, may the asking price for one specific one of these guys or any one of them be too high right now? Probably is. Ken Hughes might have to come down a little bit on that, but he's not in a hurry to do it. And Ken Hughes is smart enough. I don't think he'll lose one of them. And for that matter, this goes for any player in the organization, let alone on the roster, for nothing. But... He's got his asking price, and he's holding to it, whatever that might be. Now, the good news is there are teams that need goaltenders. Carolina obviously sent veteran Antti Rantana on waivers down to the AHL, so they need a goaltender. Samsonov is out in Toronto. You've got other teams that need leadership and veteran like Buffalo. Somehow, I don't think Montreal is going to trade somebody to Buffalo to help them out at least, being in the inner division or the same division as they are. But you've got options so let it play out and right now does Edmonton still need one or has Skinner stepped up to be determined and the other thing that I don't understand about goaltending in the NHL is everybody's like really really down on it going oh my god goaltending is horrendous they just look really bad We've, there's nothing there's there's no talent in goal anymore well if you look at the top 100 goaltenders in the NHL right now 46 of those top 100 have goals against of under three goals a game and if you think about all the talent that's come into the league all the firepower and the now defensemen like Adam Fox Cal Makarov and defensemen like that that's a lot more firepower that's pretty impressive that nearly half of 100 goaltenders still are less than three goals against a game so I don't think goaltending is as dismal as people are going oh my god it's just it's a dark time in in goaltending history it just it's horrible there's no good goaltenders you still have a lot of good goaltenders do you have a Mark Tambrodeur a Henrik Lundqvist no but you still got some really really good goalie now unfortunately it wouldn't be right if we didn't have some type of injury news which usually unfortunately is never good injury news now on a good injury news note for a change is that Josh Anderson was not seriously hurt he is returned and the look of relief on his face is just amazing unfortunately Christian Dvorak doesn't have that same scenario for him as he has a torn pectoral muscle will require surgery which he had at the end of this week and unfortunately is gone the rest of the year which again depletes Montreal of another player that being said though again let's keep in mind the rebuild and the development of the team that gives somebody else a chance maybe a Semino, maybe a Kandata maybe an Emil Heineman maybe who knows and Raphael Harvey Pernard's coming back so Montreal's got players this isn't like a couple of years ago where they had like only 12 players to ice and almost ran out of players at the AHL level or did they're not in that scenario thankfully so they've got enough people and again have an opportunity because they're in a very long honeymoon stage because they're not only new management that took over a couple of years ago but in the middle of a rebuild to evaluate and this can help them have excellent handle on what they've got top to bottom as they continue to mold and craft the best 20-man roster that they can ice. And just to come full circle on wrapping up this episode, Minnesota Wild forward Ryan Hartman has a serious issue. Whether it's anger management issues, whether it's just some type of hostile behavior, I don't know what it is, 
but he needs to be sat down and said, look, you either change your game and your attitude or you're out of the league because the hit on Cole Perfetti is unacceptable to the mouth. And if he's proud of that, which he sounds like he is, then there should be a retaliation, maybe with something to his dental work that takes out some teeth. Because that is about as lack of sportsmanship as humanly possible, not to mention the fact extraordinarily unprofessional. And the fact that the league should have no place within it for a player of that type in it at all, period. Who has a history with Winnipeg Jets players and last year took out Nikolai Ellers. So there's a history there and that's a problem. But the the shot to the face of Cole Perfetti, he should be gone the rest of the year. That should have been a game misconduct, 10-game suspension automatic with a board review hearing that should have sat him down the rest of this season. And that gets people in line with allowable and non-allowable behavior, like we've been talking about over the last two episodes. But he's got a real issue. Somebody either needs to suspend him properly, or eventually he's going to do that to the wrong player, who either that player he didn't hurt enough, or a player on that player's team is going to take him out and end his career. Because he thinks he's the man. He's not. He's not even close. And he better get his attitude under control or there's going to be some serious health issues for him moving down the road from other players in the league. If the league itself doesn't create disciplinary procedures to take care of things like that, players will protect their own. Players will definitely protect their own. And after a while, the response is not going to be good for him from another player on another team. It is just going to be really unhealthy for him if he doesn't knock it off. On that note, thanks for tuning in to episode 83 of the Hockey Free For All podcast. I am your host, Stephen Stiles. Have a fantastic week.